0: Cliffcentral.com
1: Thursday morning on Cliffcentral.com and time for us to get into the burning platform. And this is where it all happens. This is where we interview mayors of Johannesburg and then the mayors who replace the mayors of Johannesburg. Uh, this is where we, this is where we get into the stories that are in the news and we get experts to come and talk to us about what we don't know in the news, the stuff that is between the lines. And today is such a day. Uh, of course, Pumi Mashicho is here with all her uh, resplendent glory on a Thursday morning, which is what we need to get us out of bed and to start our day. But we are also joined today, and I'm happy to welcome to the show. Um, I think it's his first time on the show, but it's very good to to see him if, he, if it isn't the first time, because I'm certainly very familiar with him. Wayne Sussman, who is, of course, an independent election analyst. He's known to most of us as the elections geek, and it's a title he doesn't mind. He's also a regular contributor for the Daily Maverick Business Live, Business Day, and many other publications. Wayne, it's a great pleasure to have you on. How are you?
0: Good morning, Gareth. Good morning, Pumi. It's great to be on the Burning Platform. Very
1: nice to have you here. Well, listen. Uh, we- it's
2: surreal having you on because we watch you on Twitter, right? So now to see you actually... Uh, A whole head and shoulders, talking out loud.
0: (laughs) But we also know know that Cliff Central Radio, to be honest, is much better than Twitter.
1: Well, I don't know about that. I mean, listen, that's a very low bar. You can come back again. Uh, uh, You know, if, if we're comparing ourselves to Twitter in any condition, you know, is Twitter the great repository of knowledge that we'd hoped it would be? Is it really the best source for information? Is it always credible? Hell no. I think we've learned that over the last <laughs> few years. But thanks anyway for that, uh, what I think is a compliment, Wayne. Let's just talk about the article that you uh, sent, well, that we actually found. Uh, Pumi and I did our homework, and we read your article, which is in the Daily Maverick, and which I think everybody should have a look at. Um, this was published not so long ago, on the 4th of October, and it's, it's basically about coalition politics in the municipalities. And, of course, we know, and Pumi and I have discussed this a couple of times on this show with various people, that we are in for a political roller coaster. We also know that so many of these politicians are actually just looking for a position. They're looking for a job. Some of them are not particularly interested in why they were elected, in service delivery, any of that stuff. And we're, we're allowed to have very low expectations of these guys because often the people who end up in municipal politics are at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to you know their, their charisma, their amount of, of dedication to the job, their capacity to actually do something, to deliver a service. And, and that's where really they should have the best people because those are the people who ordinary citizens, like all of us, interact with the most. You know, we, we, we're we talking about the person who's fixing the road outside your house. We're talking about the people who collect your rubbish. We're talking about the people who make sure that when you open your tap, there's water in it, but that, that, you know, you have the basic services that you need to live in a civilized society. And and yet they are, like, really sometimes the, the very lowest of the low in politics. Um, it's not a glamorous job to be a counselor. It really isn't. So it doesn't attract the sort of glory people who go for national politics but reading your article was fascinating because what we've discussed so many times on this show is that coalition politics of course a lot of people say well you know rather have people power sharing because there'll be checks and balances in each other but it does mean that really it's tough to get anyone to do anything because they're so often locked in complicated relationships that they don't want to be in it's it's almost like um you know, two parents who've divorced and they don't love each other anymore and they really don't want to have anything to do with each other, but because they've got equal custody, they have to be in the room discussing stuff that they'd rather not. It feels like that sometimes with these people, doesn't it?
0: Thank you. So let's just first start off because I think you made it in a very astute observation. So we can be very hard on ward counsellors, and I'm sure a lot of them are really not good. But um, we just—I just spoke about my love-hate relationship with Twitter. <laughs> WhatsApp groups uh, are also something which—that's uh, th- more hate than love. Yeah. And I see the abuse and scorn where the I've moved uh, where the ward what ward councillors can get. Yeah. And I think exactly what you say that the pay is not as good as a member of parliament or a member of the provincial legislature. But they are far more, well, they should be and are, in many instances, far more accountable than a member of parliament or a member of the provincial legislature. Sorting out with our aging infrastructure, water issues, refuse issues. Um, if it's a national ESCOM crisis, they'll get the blame. So I would hope that, I think one of the things which can help turn our country around is to have a better quality, regardless of the party, of of councillor candidates running in elections, uh, not necessarily scraping the barrel, that we have committed groups of South Africans, people of experience, whether it's uh, professionals, teachers, uh, lawyers, people in business, whether it's people in civil society, who can really uh, help tackle these major problems on a local government level, because at the end of the day, we can um, spar over foreign policy, we can discuss... um, uh, policy for science and technology. But if we're not going to turn uh, our basic service delivery around in this country and deal with the many challenges on a local government level, I can de- we can depress each other for the next hour. But we, I'm going to depress you about coalitions anyway. So just with regards <laughs> to uh, coalitions, uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again here. The irony of this local government elections is that I would argue that people who went to bed on the night of the last day of October uh, 2021, who were living in um, under coalition governments, were probably, if they uh, had a, a broader concern for their fellow South Africans, were saying, I really hope that when I go and vote tomorrow in the local government elections, that – less South Africans will wake up the next day under coalition, government, co- coalition governments because we, the ride between 2016 and 2021 hasn't been a positive one. And the irony is that far more South Africans grew up on, under coalitions. And in many instances, these were even less sta- environments which are going to allow for less stable and less secure coalitions. So that's the irony, that we didn't have a good experience in 2016 to, to 2021. And what we've seen in the short time period between November 2021 and October 2022 is that we are still battling to get coalitions right. We are still battling uh, with this mindset and idea that voters and residents come before the interests and will of politicians. And these are going to be some of the things which we're going to uh, have to work out very quickly. And just while I speak, I'm going to make one more point because uh, this is a three-way chat, not a one-way soapbox from my side. Uh, and that is that I think politicians are by nature short-term orientated. They are at best saying, what do I do to get reelected? At worst, they're going to say, how can I be, excuse the phrase for the, earlier this morning, a uh, pig at the trough and like, get extract what I can get out in this limited time period or while this coalition's in place. And what we really need is for politicians to be medium-term and long-term orientated, to say, we're going to have to take some difficult decisions here. We're going to have to make sure that this coalition works, not just for the next year, not just for the next six months, but for five years, and that the benefits and fruits of that can be felt um, long after our term of coalition ends. Mm.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. And
2: unfortunately, you know, you say that, Wayne. And unfortunately, one of the things that we're also seeing a big rise of is is a lot of conversation about coalitions, even at national level, right? So, going into twenty twenty four, there has been a wave of trying to get all South Africans comfortable with the idea of a big coalition at national level, instead of kind of going what do we need to get right in order for any type of this thing to actually work? And I think I think given that is a little, you know, I think in the past three weeks and we've seen there, w- there was a big trip that for the past three weeks we've been reading a lot about and almost Michael Beaumont is obviously one of the people that's a very big mouthpiece for it, uh, of various politicians from All our parties, all the major parties, at least, that are in Parliament, going on this um, educational trip to see how a coalition government has been functioning so well (laughs) with the Danes and why it could, should, or may work here in this country. But we're not having a real conversation about why it's not working. Mm.
0: So, so I think uh, it's a great point you make and Denmark, of course, has a long history of coalitions and maybe the stakes are slightly lower than if you're not part of that coalition where uh, the stakes can often be very high in South Africa. If you move from being a mayor or a speaker to a backbencher, I mean, that's a drastic difference um, in many instances, but also in what you can potentially earn now. Uh, the one thing I want to say about on the road to 2024 is what we've seen, and this is what happened in Israel, uh, where they have had a long history of coalitions. That essentially, I uh, think this will be similar in South Africa. That it's go- the one option is an ABA coalition, anything but the ANC, and that's what happened in Israel. That basically a lot of, of t- a lot of the parties, including Arab parties, to parties on the left, to parties on the right, said. We have to do whatever we can to get rid of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who, kind of like the ANC in many ways, has been this dominant uh, uh, in personality in Israeli politics. And they formed this coalition, and to be honest, it wasn't that successful. Israel is going to co- uh, elections again. Look because at the
2: it,
0: was, in. it was under the premise that we have to remove Netanyahu at all costs. And hmm. then we'll be able to agree on a basic platform. But there was very little to unite it. It was a it was a, it's a, very big coalition. Coalition of the disgruntled. Coalition of the disgruntled. So that is what we have saw in Ekiruleni and in some instances in Johannesburg. Whereas Chwani, which, to be honest, is a, is a different example of a coalition, uh, is that it's a coalition of parties who essentially have uh, quite a lot in common. And there I speak about the DA, Action SA, the Freedom Front and the African Christian Democratic Party. That's why Twani, by the way, unless, and this is leading on to my next point, the animosity between the DA and Action SA, and there's reasons for that animosity, obviously, get to such a point that they can no longer work together. But one would think that in a place like Twani, where, as I said, they can work on, a lot of the policies are similar, they're not dependent on the EFF or the Patriotic Alliance, they would be able to form a common program of action um, which, is, uh, which would see their policies aligned. But even in Chwani, the coalition is having a lot of difficulties. And this shows to me that there's a lack of maturity. And I can definitely find you, by the way, examples of coalitions with, uh, say, the ANC and other parties, which it's more aligned to in other parts of the country where they've also battled to find this common program of action um, to, to take that municipality forward. And I think it goes back to this idea that politicians don't, aren't thinking boldly, they don't have the vision and they are too short-term orientated.
1: Okay.
2: I know you say that it shows a lack of maturity. I think one of the things that we've seen over the past couple of days is, is we've seen publicly in various aspects from multiple parties, very immature, way of dealing with the situation at hand. And, and I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll start with poor because the Joburg shit show is, is actually one of the things that, that has brought into stark reality for many South Africans. One of the things that, that kind of falls apart with coalitions, right? A party with one seat can be so pivotal in how th- the entire thing works or doesn't work. But for me, just the day before the vote, right? Palazzi's lack of maturity as a politician was highlighted for me in the fact that instead of spending The whole day and night working the floor talking to her fellow councillors convincing them that they have to keep her in the seats she makes a bloody twitter video to tell the people of Joburg who are not in the council seating we're not going to vote to say we've got to keep it out of the hands of the anc and that for me was mind-blowing i was like What are you doing? We're not going to make this decision. This is where being an astute politician would have really helped her, and a mature politician, because she should have been talking to her fellow councillors and getting them over the line to keep her in the seat or in the mayoral chain.
1: Yeah, that's that's a real skill that is very sorely lacking at the moment, because people have broken down. I've got to tell you, I'm hugely disappointed by the way that both Action SA and the DA have behaved, not only in Joburg. But in other places, too, um, and I think a lot of voters are feeling the same way. You know, we, we will criticize the ANC, and they will deserve it. But, my God, uh, you know, at least they can, they can stick together. I mean, you know, the ANC are thick as thieves in that respect, and I mean that both literally and figuratively, that they're thick as thieves. But this DA action is a spat, which is really it's devolved into a childish and, and unnecessary um, ego battle, uh, first of all, be- between the leaders in these parties, and second of all, between the parties and what they stand for themselves. And it's just doing nobody in the country any good at all. The average citizen of Joburg could care less whether the mayor is X or Y, as long as they're getting the things that they need from their local government. And I have to ask this. I mean, put me and I often say, you know, you get the government you deserve. Is it the voters' fault if we vote for the smaller parties? And then we force them to make these coalitions. Mm-hmm. Should we hold our noses and just go for the bigger parties and give them a mandate, even if we're not entirely thrilled with them, or is it important that we vote for every small Tom, Dick, and Harry so that they have to form these coalitions? Is there a is there a, a, a responsibility on the voter to vote a clearer message to the politicians, and in doing so, mm-hmm. elect? you know, less people from less parties. What do you think of that?
0: Sure. So there are a lot of questions there. So let me uh, try and pack them quickly. Just the irony is, uh, by the way, I think it's great that South African politicians went to Denmark to learn there. The one successful example, and mm. this is from, to be honest, a person who doesn't get, get much credit. And I, some, I understand so often why this person doesn't doesn't get much credit was Helen Ziller's coalition as mayor of Cape Town um, in 2006, uh, uh, Yeah, 2006, mm-hmm. where she was able to corral a lot of small parties, form a very unstable coalition. And somehow, and uh, one day in uh, maybe for in many years' time, when uh, we look back at that career, I think that was probably her most major impact on south african politics showing south africans how a coalition can be run because there was a coalition um, of the disgruntled it was a coalition of many small parties and somehow that coalition remained intact um, and that was um i i think uh, something interesting which south african politicians from all sides should study um, with regards to uh voting for small parties one of the things which i've been looking at and thinking over the last week is do we need a threshold in our politics so um two percent three point two five maybe three point two five percent i know that in some european countries it's as high as five percent um and what do we mean by a threshold that you have to um in you in order to qualify for the parliament or council you have to get 2% or 3.25% of the vote. Mm. Right now, by the way, in the city of Johannesburg, you have to get um, about 03 0.4% of the vote. You don't have to get much votes to get into the council. Um, and this means that we sit with scenarios like Nelson Mandela Bay, where the ANC and the DA, in order for them to form coalitions, I think the ANC had eight parties to oh, yeah. uh oh, no. to form a coalition to get rid of the da the da now has a 10-party coalition you just have to have one counselor who either wants the, to hog the headlines or um might be a corrupt individual or might um possibly unstable who can just flip the script and bring that whole council down time and time again yeah so i so i by the way Gareth, I think this is going to be a key message if you both the ANC and the DA in places like Gauteng and the Western Cape and Natal, and even nationally in 2024 to say, look at how dysfunctional coalitions are. Yes, we've made our mistakes, but it's better to give us a clear mandate because you do not want us to be beholden to small parties. So I think that's going to be a clear part of the messaging. Uh, in the 2024 elections, that coalitions are not working, you cannot trust small parties. And let's, um, I'm surprised even, look, the ANC had to do whatever it could to get Dada Morero elected as mayor and get him Paul Palazzi out for a variety of reasons and we're going to those reasons. Uh, but why would you give the speaker position to a party which was roundly rejected by the overwhelming city uh, uh, voters in Johannesburg. Cope barely got in. Could you not have given it to the Patriotic Alliance, which is now going to be a core part of that Johannesburg coalition, or another larger party in the coalition? Why give the speaker position, just to remind the viewers and the listeners, is the second most important, most powerful position in in a coalition negotiation after the mayorship. Why should that position go to a party with only one seat. And let me just finish off this round of points. That's why I think one of the things is there should be a best practice guidelines Mm. for the way we form coalitions in South Africa, that you don't have these strange outcomes where a party with one seat gets to have such critical positions. It should say, um, if a party gets X percent of the vote, uh, um, they should they should be uh, and they need to form a coalition. These are typically the positions they should get um, if they need to give a, a very senior position um, out of the top three positions, it uh, should go to the party with the second most amount of seats, not one of the smallest parties in the coalitions. so I think we need these best practice guidelines to help um, parties form better coalitions which will better serve the residents
2: so you know one of the things that that you just talked about speaking of guidelines or best practice guidelines and the fact that in 2024 uh if they're smart enough one of the key messages i mean the da already makes that a big part of their messaging is don't support the smaller parties because it just gives uh, the anc more party (laughs) anc more power is internally what we also haven't seen is that they, the parties themselves, all of them in the coalitions, have not learned from the dysfunction that they were in between 2016 and 2021. So they haven't created any best practices for going into coalitions and learning how to deal in them. Do you think there are some big takeouts that they could have learned that they have missed from that 2016 to 2021 period?
0: Yeah, I think we also need... So first of all, coalition agreements should be made public, all of them, in every single council of the province, even if you're an obscure council in the Northern Cape where there's some coalitions, those coalition agreements should be seen, should be made public, let's say to everyone in the Northern Cape. I'm just using the Northern Cape as an example. Because it's absolutely key uh, that we see who's agreed to what, what's the, and in that coalition agreement, we need to see what the plan of action is, not just who's getting which position. Uh, We need to see what's your framework for this coalition. What are going to be the core uh, uh, priority areas? What's going to make the real difference to the lives of the voters and the the residents?
2: If the yes. if the residents and the voters are holding their councillors responsible and, you know, they, they can ask for that. But also coalition agreements, which is what we've learned from Herman Mashaba and, and the action is a move, is coalition agreements are loose agreements. You know, they're not contracts and they're not yep. binding. The party should be able to make their own decision about what they need to achieve and how they are going to use their vote to achieve that. So but Correct. I mean the two things is the people, I should be able to talk to my counselor and hold my counselor responsible to understand that if you go into this coalition, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it with my vote that I have given you, the mandate that I've given you, what are you getting into? One, two, we you know, we're not going to be able to make and this is the, the thing with Popaladzi's rant yesterday, is even if the court says to her that seating that that um council since it was illegal and they have to do it all again she is not going to get back in because they're just going to follow the process and she's going to be out again you yeah. know, because yeah. that coalition Absolutely. agreement is a loose agreement
1: you know i'm i'm glad that you you pointed out the the one good example of where a coalition worked cuz helen zilla did exactly what pumi was saying just now she went from councillor to councillor and kept working them as a good politician should in order to make sure that they were on side when she was mayor of Cape Town. And it was a very unstable coalition, but she held it together. It needs work. It needs a lot of effort, a huge amount of, of, you know, you have to be on your phone the whole time. You have to go and see people. You have to schmooze. You have to say to people, well, we'll put this guy on the council, but you need to be... You know, in the background, doing this, and we've got to have this particular Ooh. problem sorted. I, it takes a huge amount of of deal making. Say and the
2: phrase, Gareth. Say the phrase. You're going to have to do the work.
1: Do the work. <laughs> there it is. But that's the Ooh. point. I mean, like, <laughs> it, it really it is tough, and I just don't think we have the caliber of politicians to be able to pull this off. I don't see Herman Mashaba. You know, bless him, but I really don't see him. He he's a, a very successful man who's who's done an incredible job in business, and he's now you know this this widely regaled figure in politics. I think he quite enjoy, enjoys this um, the attention that he gets, and he likes being a kingmaker in some of these situations. Just like the EFF, like being a kingmaker at some point, and a lot of it has to do with personal glory. But when it comes to actually doing the deals, he doesn't get his hands dirty doing that.
0: Yeah, so I think mashaba let's just speak about him briefly Mm. and the the the, there are two things to understand about a coalition uh well there's a lot to understand but just (laughs) on this point there's the paradox of on the one hand saying i need to keep my coalition partners happy and i think herman mashaba um, and we spoke about zilla earlier but uh, Herman mashaba worked very hard when he was mayor to keep to keep the eff even though they weren't part of the uh coalition agreement they needed their votes. He did his utmost to keep them happy. He gave them some small victories, um, uh, such as insourcing of security guards, etc., cetera, um, and I think cleaners as well. But on the other hand, one of the criticisms of Mashaba is that he isolated his base. So, mm. it's, yes, it's hard work to go around to every single coalition partner, but you also have to give your own party, which is at that stage the DA, happy. And there was a lot of disgruntlement from, uh, a lot of the, the DA base. So that's the double edged sword. On the one hand, yes, it's going to take hours and hours and hours to keep those coalition partners happy. But if you don't keep your own party's councillors happy, then you're going to lose base. Uh, you're, going to, you're going to lose face there. And that is going to be, that's another thing which politicians have to learn. And again, when we go back to the coalition agreements, let's understand what each party wants to get out. What are the small victories which we can, small successes, we can give to each of the coalition partners so that they can feel that they are delivering something tangible to their, uh, to their voters in their, maybe it's uh, they're in a regional part of the city or they're a, a certain group in the city or of certain interests. And at the same time, what are the broader things which can be achieved? And just something else which I think is key is and I need to think of how this would get enforced. But could there be a remedy? Um, so, for instance, the Patriotic Alliance found that uh, Palazzo, well, D, the DA were arrogant. Um, should they have... And by the way, I can speak about the Northern Alliance who ditched um, the ANC in Nelson Mandela Bay because uh, their votes were critical for that mm. council to fall. Should there be a framework to, uh, go, for res- um, to, to go for mediation? before Mm. council collapses. Because I mean, this is 11 months in, to uh, after the local government elections, we've already seen one quarter of our metros collapse and change hands. That does not point to stability. And at the end of the day, we do need stability to sort out the major challenges which our local government and our metros face. Sure, you
2: know, I mean, the the issue of alliances right now is so critical because as we see people losing their traditional base, more and more people are going to go into alliances. And I want to ask you about two things, your prediction about what's coming in Egoruleni with the EFF as the kingmaker in that region, because it only makes sense that the ANC fresh from this victory are going to make a move into that space and then i, I mean mm-hmm. i think it you also uh, tweeted about this the other day because today when we have our new premier what we're going to have is we're going to have a very strong and united front from the anc going getting ready and gearing up for campaigning for 2024 so it makes sense that they would go after Leni. what are your predictions there
0: Great. So I, I have a, so I'll give you a preview to the next article. I'm doing a two-part series for the Daily Maverick, and that's the path to growth theory. So I'm going to just give me a minute or so. So the IR, because this relates exactly to Ekru Lenny, and this relates to our conversation about the DA and Action SA, that politics is unique. <clears throat> yeah. On the one hand, the EFF have more in common with the ANC than they do with the DA, um, Action SA, and the Freedom Front. However, the path to growth for the EFF is through a wounded ANC rather than the the, the DA support base and certainly the Freedom Front support base. Maybe there's something they can do with what Action SA did in Soweto. So it's very, very important to understand that their business mindset, their business mindset, is to grow their pool of voters and if you sitting in the EFF war room which is I think it's a term they use with pride you are looking at the ANC and saying if we want to achieve our goals we have to achieve it um, by taking out the ANC. When the ANC does not occupy uh, where the mayoral chain in Ekruileni or in Johannesburg you're achieving that goal of having a weaker ANC but then you're also saying that we actually have le- we, we have less in common with the DA. So this is the challenge of the way you look at politics. So I would say that the ANC and EFF tomorrow could form actually a very stable coalition. It wouldn't be uh, in Ekuruleni because they have the numbers. EF- the EFF are the kingmakers. The Red Berets are the crowns in Ekuruleni. Um, and they can choose whether Tanya Campbell packs her... Uh, belongings into a box and moves to the Opposition Office, or whether she remains as Mayor of Ekruleni, and they can choose to bring back, uh, I think Julius Malema has a good relation with Ms. Wandile Messina, to bring him back as Mayor uh, Yes, for the they, ANC. Were in the,
2: they were in the Youth League together.
0: That's correct, they are in the Youth League together. So that is easy, but what is the EFF saying to, are the EFF helping the ANC, because the EFF's long-term path to growth is through a weakened, debilitated ANC, and then I can use that argument again. Why are we seeing um, this twa? I think I don't know if I pronounce that correctly. Uh, twa between, uh, between DA and Action SA, because yes, um, they have a lot in common ideologically, but at the end of the day, Action SA knows their path to growth is through a weaker DA, and the DA knows that in order for it to return to its former glory. It needs to uh, weaken the Action essay and the Freedom Front. So this is the, the this is the difficult space people operate in, and that is why you sometimes see these inconsistencies. But if you so, let's just while we test this out, the Patriotic Alliance and Action SA. Mm. Um, this they both um, so and you, if you've seen yes, everyone's focused on the Patriotic Alliance, sorry on Action essays tough for the DA. But if you read between the lines you are definitely seeing um, th- th- that there's also an undercurrent between Action SA and Patriotic Alliance. Why? Because they are playing in that same lane for the, uh, for the anti-immigrant, uh, anti-illegal immigrant sentiment in the country. They are competing head on with that lane and they are also dueling there. So these are some of the very tough things. Uh, th- these are some of the complications of understanding our politics on the road to 2024 yes it's about who's the mayor yes it's about local government but it's all about 2024 and it's all about weakening my uh weakening the party where i can increase my members of parliament and increase my members of provincial legislature there's a lot i just said i hope it made some sense
2: it makes sense and i i can assure you including carl in the comments everybody is waiting for me to make to ask this question and make this point oh boy Action <laughs> SA, the Al is, is he, from anticipation. Action <laughs> SA and the DA and this, this public fight that they have been having, whether it's Ethel Trollope with Clint, whether it's yeah. Mashaba, with, you know, Obaloi, all of it is very, very bad for the DA. And one of the things that I've watched over the past week is how absent the leader of the DA in John Stearnhaisen has been. Like he's pulling a Cyril Ramaphosa on everybody. Is this a sign of things to come in the DA?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And I track by-election data. So let's just for, uh, as you know, I mean, that that is one of the things I look at because I, I find that often it's it's very easy to sit in an ivory tower and say the ANC are going to be gone in 2024, the DA's history, action SA are not going to reach their potential. Like, let's let's rather look at the data. So when it comes, the DA has been on a very good run in the Western Cape in by-elections. They've won uh, two wards in relatively rural parts of the country, but as I say, even though that might not be a sign of things to come of the Western Cape, rural parts of the Western Cape, even though that might not be a sign of things to come to the 2024, because there aren't that many voters there, those by-election victories, uh, which have seen them either solidify coalitions or uh, take over uh, municipalities, g up enthusiasm, um, raise uh, and raise the spirits of the party, which was obviously beleaguered after 2021. Um, However, the, the can John Steenhaisen take the DA back to where, what Musi Maimani achieved with it, which was to take it to a 26%, 27% party in local government, uh, in the local government elections 2016? That certainly doesn't seem to be the case right now. One, because it's a much more competitive political space. But also, I don't know how he's going to build a coalition of... Um, of returning it to that 26, 27% party. Um, So I think his main role is to make sure that the DA finishes second um, in the 2024 elections, which is going to be easier said than done. The EFF will see opportunities there. Actually, SA will see opportunities there. Um, He wants to make sure that people like Jordan Hill Lewis, the popular mayor of Cape Town, Christopher Pappas, the uh, popular mayor of Umgani and Howick, and Premier Alan Windy um, succeed. The challenge for the DA is that, on the one hand, I agree that it was correct correct to criticize Impor hysterical rants. At the end of the day, I think Impor was one of those people who had the chance to Bring back to close the gap between what the DA got in 2021 and what they received in 2016. I think she's starting to build, um, she's starting to win back voters the DA lost, and she's starting to possibly gain new voters for the DA. Her losing her position is a major blow for the DA. Yes, it's great for the DA that they've got Nelson Mandela Bay, but Johannesburg is the ultimate prize. And yeah, you have a, um, a person who's a doctor, person who has a, a fascinating life story, which I think can resonate with many South Africans, um, who was um, able to bring voters to the party, which I don't think John Steenhazen can. And by the way, I would say would be um, someone who, if she succeeded in the role of Johannesburg, would be his most likely challenger. But I just want to give him some credit in that he did do that press conference on Friday evening where I think he did give one of his best, um, uh, speeches as uh, as a uh, leader of the DA where he 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 backed Palazzi and he took on the ANC equally so by the way someone like uh, Michael Beaumont I think has established himself a lot in the last week where I think he gave yeah. a very passionate address uh, he's the chair he's the Helen Zille equivalent Probably won't like like that I, I'm term. just going to um,
1: I'm just going to throw this yeah. this in here because I, I've been listening to both of you and, you and you both make a lot of sense. But I'm going to speak for a group of people. I hope um, I'm not going to claim I have a mandate from them, but people who are just completely disenchanted because they hear all of this and they go, "Actually, it's such a clusterfuck. I want no part in it." And we know that so many voters in this country are not; they're not apathetic; they're actually completely disgusted and they want nothing to do with these politicians they find them all disgusting and 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 untrustworthy they think that they are going to screw up more than they will do good and maybe those people are also looking at all of this going actually it suits me that these governments are all in 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 deadlocks that they can't get anything done because a government that is is in that position Mm does not pass bad laws because of course we know governments never repeal laws they only make them um and that actually it suits us you know the budget was approved in joburg anyway so all of that's going to go ahead who cares who's in charge and they're looking at this going good luck dada morero you're going to be just as ineffective as every other mayor that's come before you good luck You're going to be just as ineffective as every mayor who's come before you. And actually, you politicians amuse yourselves and let the news media be as obsessed with this as they are because it's all about the personalities for them. It's not actually about service delivery. The media is probably as scurrilous and nefarious and and credulous as anybody in this situation because all they can talk about is – Who's occupying the position, which is precisely what the politicians are interested in. They're not interested in whether or not there's a burst water pipe mm. that has left three neighborhoods in Johannesburg without water for seven days. The media don't report on that because it's not a sexy story, and they're to to they're partly to blame for the situation we find ourselves in. Actually, you know what? Cool. Keep wasting your own time. The ordinary citizens will go about trying to immunize themselves against the disaster of, of local governments in this country. And we'll just we'll just let you carry on. Go for it. You're not going to make any law that's going to affect me because you can't even decide what kind of laws you want to make. Good luck, guys. And I think that's how a lot of people feel.
0: Yeah, so I think, again, there, there's a lot to unpack there. The, one of the key things is, let's speak about journalism for a second, and we know that newsrooms <laughs> have been decimated. We know that uh, a major newspaper group uh, – can often not be trusted in this country with some of their wild reporting. So basically what we need is um, good old-fashioned local news reporting. So local news stories. And you see this in, like, for instance, the New York Times, where they have committed journalists who are reporting on civic and local matters because, yes, it's not as uh, sexy as an invasion of a, of a, of an indip- of a country like Ukraine, Yes, it's not as sexy as uh, Anthony Fauci's uh, press conferences or Donald Trump's utterances, um, but ultimately this is what fundamentally ma- matters, whether it's... Sub-
1: I'm sorry, I've got to stop you there. Wayne, <laughs> please do not ever uh, use the words sexy... Of, uh, sorry, yes. Wayne, never use the words sexy and Nancy Pelosi in a sentence <laughs> together
0: ever again,
1: for heaven's sake. I almost, okay. I almost threw up my
0: tea, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you to do that. I think I said Fauci, which is the same ah, thing. Even worse. Um, so, um, um, so, yeah, I think we need to really take local reporting incredibly seriously, whether it is a water pipe by Rodine School, and, yes, those are wealthier parts of the city, um, being out of water for three days. At the end of the day, those are ratepayers. Those are residents who make sure that um, the city can try tick or informal settlements or townships not getting services these things need to be reported on and act and properly analyzed we need to analyze what mayoral uh, and uh, what mayoral committee members are doing are they just sitting in an office Doing absolutely nothing, or are they fulfilling their mandate. I, I just we think... need media in South Africa to do that more seriously and not just look for sexy sound bites about this person's in and that person's out.
1: Absolutely, and I, I will let you answer the the second part of this about voter apathy. But but I'm really convinced that if we had to put a block on the on the ballot paper that said, "I hate politicians and want them all." to leave on a big ship for Antarctica, I still think that would get 80% of the people who don't turn out to vote now to turn out and fill in that box. I think they'd put their tech next to that box. That's how much they dislike the system.
0: So, correct. And people need to be more accountable. Um, I mean, that's the thing. At least in a local government election, if a ward councillor truly not, it should be if they mess up, but if they truly mess up, the speaker or the party can dismiss them or you, you have mm. you've had examples where residents like just say we are not going to accept this person as the councillor um, and then there's a by-election at least we have that remedy when it comes to provincial and local when it comes to parliament and the provincial legislatures once you're in for those five years um you you, you essentially there you've got a five-year job where you can just Um, not not work terribly hard and just know you're going to have that income security and by the way let me just go off on a slight tangent i often say look at the people who sat in parliament in between 1994 to 1999 and look at the people um and there are some good people who were elected in 2019 and it's just chalk and cheese we had remarkable people Mm. yes people who are absolutely instrumental in ending apartheid, incredible activists who brought positive change, but also people who could, uh, and or people who could deal with the challenges facing the country at that time. And right now we're not attracting the best and the brightest. And that's why I think you're hundred percent correct, always attracting the best and the brightest. That's why I think it's important. That's why I think your um, party or formation on a form would do pretty well. what we don't want to have and the late Ivor Sarah Kinski, I don't know if he was ever a guest on your show, we lost him too soon. He passed away, I think, during COVID 2020 from Vitz. Yeah. He would say, turnout is absolutely key. It's so depressing that we had so few people turn out in 2019. That was the lowest ever turnout in a national and provincial election. And utterly depressing and worrying that we had uh, the lowest ever turnout in any national, provincial, local government elections in 2021. It shows that South Africans are saying... And it has are- been declining. It has been declining, correct, and that's worrying. And our politicians looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, "How do we get?" I mean, we're all screwing up if voters don't see that there's an offer to vote for. But by the way, that I think it's absolutely essential that we keep on voting. That we that we have a civic duty to keep on voting and hold those politicians to account. I hope I always say to my friends and family that. You know, I don't want to vote. I don't want to be in and out of the voting booth. I don't mind waiting time. I mean, unless there's a bottleneck with scanners, then I go absolutely mad. But, I mean, we want to be waiting to vote uh, on Election Day. We want to see South Africans come out and vote. And that's going to be key because if more and more people lose interest, don't care, um, divorce themselves from the process, we are going to get politicians who can afford to be less accountable, and we're going to just have politicians Um, just repeating the same. But also we're going
2: to have a society, but also we're going to have a society that looks to different ways of voicing their discontent, because that's Mm -hmm. what elections do. Elections also open the valve in terms of some of the frustrations that we have with service delivery that we have with the way things are run. It opens the valve and lets out some of that pressure. But if people do not feel that that is one of the ways that they can Kind of voice their opinions. They're going to find other ways. They're going to burn down things, and they're going to yeah. uh, fight each other in the streets. This is th- these are the things you know. If you you think about what happened leading up to the Arab Spring, these are the things that lead to those kind of revolutions. You know, and we have all of the 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 precedent factors kind of bubbling at the moment. We have people not showing up with the elections. So essentially it's like people not being allowed to vote. We have high you know, we have high discontent in the populace. And we have economic strife. All of those things kind of, you know, just keeps like turning down and turning up the pressure oh. on the people.
1: Or we or we or we really have just abdicated. Now I understand exactly what Wayne's saying and he's right. And you are too Pumi, that you know it's a it's a it's a valve to release the pressure. Um, and people need to go and vote, otherwise they will get someone else's government, and then they haven't got the, the room to complain that they might have if they actually participated. But I think increasingly there are vast swathes of South Africa that already know what anarchy feels like. They, they don't have any kind of service delivery. You know, we often speak to Lieto, who's in uh, Valcom, and he says <laughs> – the parties are always going to be bickering with each other. He, he, he realizes like there's, there's never going to be a government there that's going to be able to do anything for the people of that town. So they've all abdicated already. They're like, well, I will have to either drill my own borehole if I can afford it or if I'm allowed to. or Even if I'm not allowed to, I'll do it anyway. Um, I will try my best to generate electricity so that I don't have to rely on the municipality. And eventually you'll have just people opting out of the system, as Pumi said already, if they can. And that'll mean for very poor people in this country, less and less choices going forward and less and less service provision and ultimately a complete deterioration in people's trust in everything to do with government, which is something which we don't want, right? I mean, that's what everybody says, but is it? It's
0: a very true point, Gareth. So, why, I mean, let's just upper middle class south africans pay for private security um no, we'll uh, get inverters upper, let's just say upper,
1: upper middle class south africans yeah. pay for everything in this country that is that is a fact income, Correct. personal income taxes <laughs> the but largest also, piece of the pie and it comes from i think four million people in this country
0: yeah so, so i'm saying all of that but then on top of that there's you have to inverters, Jerry, uh, Jojo tanks, mm. private security, um, yeah. and that just means, by the way, that there's less money to spend uh, to, to help small businesses, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I spend I watch in is one of the councils, uh, which is the ball area, which I watch most and you'll speak to again, middle class people who have to pay, uh, I think it's like 50 Rand a week to get uh, their refuse uh, collected, because refuse collection collapsed. I, I need to check whether it's still collapsed. Or mm. that, was, that was the case like two, three months ago. Um, but then one day I was in the Boipetong Township, just observing things, and I heard a bell ring. And I just saw people come out with little plastic bags um, in the township, and they were paying a private person 10 Rand to remove their own hot household refuse. And these are, ex- many people who live in this important township, a vital township, when we learn about South African history, um, are very poor people. And the fact that they have to pay 10 rand for a bag, I mean, if there's two bags, there's 20 rand, hmm. uh, that's a hell of a lot of money. So no, you're it correct. It's just going to make poor people poorer. And that, this is why we can't, burning down libraries, um, which is obviously absolutely devastating, uh, closing roads, closing schools, uh, destroying traffic, like they are starting to see anarchy. We see a lot of service to protests, but at the end of the day, change has to come through de- um, democratic means. Ultimate, a hopeful change has to come through de- democratic means, where people get a mandate from the people, uh, fr- from voters, and are able to deliver on that. Otherwise, I think we're going to see more and more anarchy. Just one other, uh, which is fascinating for me. And again, this is another conversation where I think we, like, you've got to differentiate, in, like, political parties, uh, th- their role as political parties and their role as governing parties. Like, the ANC in Limpopo, obviously, Limpopo is one of the two st- absolute strongholds in South Africa, that in the Eastern Cape. What was fascinating for me in the 2019 elections, I was watching Guyani closely. Why? Because Guiani didn't have water in most parts of Guiani for a month before the 2019 elections. Right. And the ANC's vote share there declined from 75%, can you just take a guess, to what? No idea, tell us. You're, you're 70. the-
2: 74, 74%. Oh, so
0: it dropped one percentage point. Wow. So I said, wow. The ANC as a political party is absolutely impressive that they have convinced people Jesus. in a, a part of Limpopo where there hasn't been water for a month to entrust them and give them another mandate for five years. Um, but at the end of the day, wow, you haven't had water. And <laughs> you know, still... I'm, uh, that is the most, well, last week, the most amazing
2: last statistic. Last week we had this conversation about different realities in our country. So if you think about Guinea for instance and and most parts of Guinea and look and have to think about it in the context of a longer term than one month of not having ele- of not having water right mm. is Guinea leading up to the elections leading up to 1994 had very little services, had very few roads. There was no development. It it was essentially just a big village with a a central part of services that were government services, what was then called like municipal offices, right? So a officine, that's all that they had. And when they look at the lives that they have today, where sure, they haven't had water for a month, but this is water that was never there before. And now the water is intermittent. It's more than what they had before. They have roads and the roads are poorly maintained. But again, they never had roads before, you know, and this is, this is what you're looking at in a space like that. What they are looking at is they're looking at, and the people that brought this level of development here are these people. And that's why what you get is you get a a percentage drop, right? Same with (laughs) electricity, where the opposition parties, and this is the thing, are not even having a conversation that says this could be better. They are having a conversation that is, for the reality of the people on the ground, is a warped conversation because they're just going, you don't understand me. You don't understand me or what my issues are. So you're not giving me...
1: Maybe yeah, we, maybe we. You're also, just saying
2: these guys. Are I mean, this, and this, for them, those guys have have performed.
1: This seventy-five to seventy-four percent is probably the most shocking thing. And if if we got you on for nothing else, then Wayne, this was worth it. But I mean, perhaps we also have to be honest that maybe the people of Guiani don't deserve water if that's the way they vote.
2: That's such bullshit. You you
1: think so? Like yes, how, how, that is absolute how, how bullshit. Is it, how is it anyone else in the country's fault? If that's how they're voting and their lives aren't improving, how's that? It's certainly. It, I don't care. It is. I don't care anymore. About Gianni, must listen, go ahead then.
2: Everybody, <laughs> everybody deserves basic services, and and for me, and this is the thing that that gets me into so much trouble. No, here. I
1: think bad for things happen because you deserve them. Sometimes I really do.
2: The, but if you are unable to, as in where you have a government that is fumbling. So badly, so badly that people are still willing to have that government instead of you. The fault is with you.
1: Yeah, but what? I, but I, I, again, I just have to say it. I don't think it's got to do with party politics. Did the number of people who pitched up for that vote in Giani drop? I'm sure it did.
0: It did drop, but percent, it's one percentage point down. Um, and I mean, maybe what me saying that the alternatives that the EFF's too radical for, what large right. shots of Guiani, the DA, aren't in play maybe, there. Maybe
1: the people of Guiani do not apply their mind to this at all. Maybe they just that aren't. That is bullshit. Maybe they
2: don't. Bullshit.
1: Why, why would you assume? No, that why, why is are absolute you giving them bullshit. Why are you giving them more credit than, in this case, the statistics show they deserve?
2: No, that's not what the statistics shows us. <laughs> Statistic also shows us the failure of everybody in the system. Mm, that's what it also shows sounds, us. Not just the failure of the voter, that, that but the like, failure of everybody that, in the system, sounds, including Pums. opposition parties. Pumi. All of them.
1: Sure, I'm. I'm no fan of the opposition parties, and I don't think any of them could fix Giani either. But maybe. The soft bigotry of low expectations here, which you seem to be displaying for people of Giani. It's I, maybe, not a low
2: expectation. Maybe maybe it the, is the, not a low expectation. What they have done is they have applied their mind. No, and I when applying they their mind, no. they, the alternative, the alternative that is there is no alternative on applying their mind. I think what is absolute bigotry is the fact that you are saying, <laughs> Oh, they have not applied their we mind. Got, oh, they are have, stupid. What, that is bullshit. What
1: else can we do for them? But to give no. them an, an, a free and fair election, any, you I mean, do
2: not have to do anything for them.
1: I won't. You do not
2: have to do anything because I, I, I don't believe they but deserve it. But what the opposition it. parties need to do is they need to woo Why them. Why is it the opposition party's responsibility here? It is that they can
1: deliver. no, no, no. I think again, and this bad. came up this it's came up a bad last week. Option.
2: It's okay, a better option for the people. You are just what? As bad. What, are, what
1: are the chances that an opposition party, when they look at Gianni, they go? Hold on a second. There's no point in us getting involved here. The ANC have fucked up completely here. There's no water for the people there. And even if we try now, we won't get more than an extra percent or two. Why would an opposition party even bother to contest that election? Those people, they will vote ANC anyway. So that's what they've displayed. Why would you defend Just that?
0: very? Yeah, just very quickly on that. In Mfuleni, in essence, you saw that with the opposition parties where the ANC got under 50 percent and the opposition parties didn't really want to take on Mfuleni because of the the grotesque mess in that municipality. Um, And there was an abdication. So there was an historic opportunity for the opposition to take over a major municipality. But they re- ran away from the challenge for a variety guys, of reasons. One, guys, because maybe it wasn't going to be a stable the, coalition.
1: The most well-run yeah. city in this country is run by an opposition party. There is never no water in Cape Town. They've got that sorted out after their day zero shit just a couple of years ago. They've sorted it out. They also have electricity. They're planning to have more electricity and not to rely on their national grid. You've got to give credit where it's due. And that is the opposite story of Guiani. Nothing else to be said
2: I, I I find it, and I find it fascinating that even where they have a low hanging fruit to do more of that, they would rather not take it on. So in Mfuleli, which is right next to Mudval, by the way, right, they would rather not do that. so they would rather go into places that are easy rather than do the do the hard work.
1: We are of proving we are, to we are, we are,
2: everybody else that talking, they can actually turn around the shit show.
1: We are talking about politicians here, but it is clear okay. to me that we have different standards, because if your standard is that the DA in the Western Cape, in Cape Town in particular, doesn't do enough for X community or Y community, but Giani, they do nothing for the community and keep being elected, and it's still not the community's fault for electing them. I don't know where to start with that argument. That is the kind of argument that leads to no no happy position for anybody the, the people of ghana are still screwed and i think that's really awful and i don't see how we're going to help them with that i think we're out of time there's
2: just
0: we're <laughs> we out of time so the, no, um, just a final point it's going to be a wild ride if i it's going to be a wild ride onto the road to 2024 uh we've seen such theat- theatrics uh comedy at times Uh, in the last uh, week to two weeks, and I I think it's going to get even more interesting. By the way, Ditzo Botler, which is Lichtenberg, where we saw a major business pull out, uh, it was Mm. one of the dairy companies, Mm. if I remember correctly, Clover, Mm. Um, they're going to elections again, that's in the northwest, Um, and that's going to be fascinating. Are the opposition parties going to achieve what has been impossible for election after election after election? And get the ANC under fifty percent, and if they achieve that, can you have the EFF, the Freedom Front, the DA possibly like working together to turn that horrible mess around? It's going to be absolutely fascinating, and these are all going to give us indications on the road to twenty twenty four.
1: I will definitely, and I hope you will come back. I I would love to hear you closer to the elections, and I'm sure. And Pumi, it was your idea, and I'm very glad that you got Wayne on this morning. Some amazing information and some insights here into how south africa is voting how it might vote and hopefully you're right hopefully we do see some interesting stories here i'm just i'm i'm nervous after some of the stuff you've said that that we'll ever have real change and maybe it is the opposition party's fault but it certainly appears to me that it's also the fault of ordinary south africans who just because we've completely given up on the system the only people who continue to vote are those people who are just it seems a sure thing for the politicians Who knows? But I think we've got to wrap it up there. Wayne, thank you so much for your time today. This has been amazing. Pumi, thank you. And we will return for The Burning Platform next week. Same time, same place. Have an awesome Thursday, everybody.
0: Bye-bye.